0: I'm your host, David Nage, this is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views,
1: information or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research.
0: This podcast is presented by BlockWorks Group. One of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Alex Wilson, the co-founder of The Giving Block. This is a great episode. The Giving Block was founded in 2018 after seeing hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin being donated to the few nonprofits that were equipped to accept those donations. And so what they have been doing is bridging that and creating more supply and more nonprofits that are accepting Bitcoin. They've been teaching them how to do it. They've been teaching them the incentives behind it. I learned something new on this episode, and you will too, that actually when you donate Bitcoin, it is a no it is not a non-realized uh gain uh you when you sell your digital assets that is a gain it is a realized gain but apparently when you donate it uh it is not a realized gain uh, and that's actually a pretty good thing. And so we talked a lot about the overall demographics, who's doing it, how much is actually being donated. They've been working on some really great things during COVID, which I've actually participated in. And to remember, nothing on Baselayer is investment advice, so please do your own research. And you're going to hear a great show with Alex Wilson, the co-founder of The Giving Block. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer, and this is the first time I get to talk to someone who's doing things more on the philanthropic and the more mission-driven side of digital assets. I'm really happy about this. Alex Wilson, co-founder of The Giving Block, is with me today. Alex, how are you?
1: Hey, David. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Doing okay, doing okay, hoping that one of these days people will start, you know, just doing what they need to do and we can all get it out of these quarantines and lockdowns because I'm getting a little tired of it, but we'll get back to that another time. So The Giving Block was founded in 2018 after seeing hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin being donated to the few nonprofits, and there's always this kind of issue with the IRS. How does the IRS and those that are in charge of that, how do they view digital assets? Is it an asset? Is it a some sort of other security and, you know, and things of that where we haven't seen a lot of transparency. But before we get too far into what you've built, as everyone knows on my show, we'd like to get a little bit of a background on you, kind of where you all started with this. Um, I know you've done consultation work and you know, with different Fortune 500 companies. Um, what we'd like to do is when exactly did you have a moment where you saw the the evolution or the revolution within digital assets and specifically Bitcoin, not necessarily your Bitcoin moment when you're, I don't want to hear necessarily when you read the white paper per se, but when did you realize that there was really something formidable here to create a uh, uh, kind of a, a business around, if you will?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um- so it goes back to basically my, my last job where I was a management consultant um, and all these Fortune 500 companies we were working with, they all wanted to be innovative. They all wanted to talk and learn about, you know, blockchain and crypto really broadly. Um, but none of them wanted to actually use the tech. Um, they all love to talk about it. They love the PR effect of announcing something about blockchain. Um, and that, that wasn't really enough for me. Um, so I got kind of, you know, sucked into the world of, Trading and investing in, in different cryptocurrencies, um, and then when 2017 rolled around and everything was going up like crazy, I noticed you know everyone was trying to figure out how do we reduce our you know, capital gains tax. Some people are looking at you know moving to other countries, others are looking at uh, other tax strategies that don't require moving. And one of the ones that stood out to me was actually donating their cryptocurrency directly to a nonprofit. And sort of the the moment it really hit me was, you may have seen some articles in December 2017 uh, about the Pineapple Fund. Does that ring any bells? It does. Yeah. So the the Pineapple Fund was this anonymous donor that donated about $56 million worth of Bitcoin to 60 different nonprofits. Um, And they weren't the only ones donating their, their crypto directly to nonprofits. What we noticed was... Um, in most cases, the donors were having to kind of walk the nonprofits through how to accept Bitcoin or other crypto donations because it just wasn't really on their radar. Um, and of course, you know, crypto isn't exactly known for being user friendly, mm-hmm. um, especially for, a, you know, a kind of a, a non-tech person. Um, so we saw this, kind of, this uh, kind of tax strategy of donating to nonprofits um, since the IRS classifies it as property. Um, You know, it's almost like a stock donation in the Mm -hmm. sense that the donor doesn't have to pay capital gains tax on it and they get a deduction of the full amount. So, uh, you know, let's say you're donating, uh, I don't know, about $250,000 worth of Bitcoin. Um, If you donated it in Bitcoin, you're going to get a write-off of $250K. Uh, You're not going to owe any taxes on it. And the nonprofit is going to get the full $250K. And they also don't have to pay tax on it because they're a 501c3. Right. However, let's say you decided to sell $250,000 worth of Bitcoin first and then donate the remaining proceeds. Well, in that scenario, you're probably going to owe about, you know, 50K in capital gains tax mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to donate 200K and only have a 200K write-off. Um, So not only are you donating less in that scenario, but your write-off is actually less too.
0: So how does that work? Because, you know, this is something that has been, obviously, over the last few years, and funny, just talking to accountants and talking to other family offices, the idea of, you know, kind of moving digital assets, whether it's Bitcoin or other things, moving, even moving it from, say, a centralized exchange to a cold storage wallet like a treasurer or Ledger, that movement is something that they're always kind of perking their ears to so how does that work if you actually if i moved a certain amount of bitcoin to the lupus foundation or the other ones out there you're telling me and you're telling the listeners that that is not a taxable event
1: correct so any huh. transaction that is a donation is a non-taxable event <laughs> um so as long as you're sending it directly from a wallet Um, that you own, whether it's an exchange wallet or or one you kind of hold on your own, directly to a nonprofit's wallet, that's a non-taxable event. Hmm.
0: That is very interesting. I did not know that. There you go, guys. Everyone is learning something today. And so how many, give us a kind of a lay of the land. So a lot of family offices out there, and obviously everyone knows that's kind of one of the major listeners of the show, they also have foundations. Um, And those foundations do a lot of grant work. And so if there were family offices out there and foundations that were listening to the show right now and they wanted to start getting a sense of the lay of the land, how many different found how many different philanthropic organizations out there actually accept Bitcoin? Maybe you can kind of walk us through because obviously you've been at this for the last two years plus, how has that grown? Is it been something where you're starting to see a lot more interest in that? Is it been kind of hard to kind of get going? What has been the kind of the total addressable market in terms of a CAGR, how has it grown over the last year or two?
1: Yeah, so there's kind of a couple tipping points that stand out in terms of, um, you know, the last, really over the last year. Um, One of those kind of tipping points we noticed was last June, I guess almost exactly a year ago now, uh, around the time of the the Facebook Libra announcement. Um, So one of the, interestingly, one of the few industries that actually really loves Facebook is nonprofits. Uh, because not only is it a good social media tool for them, but they make a lot of money on Facebook fundraising. Um, so when they heard Facebook was coming out with a cryptocurrency, that was a uh, sort of a, a huge sign of legitimacy for them. So we noticed a huge shift in, in kind of the perception of cryptocurrencies around that time, last June. Um, and then over time, you know, anytime these major institutional players come out embracing crypto, um, nonprofits get more and more comfortable with it. And then especially, interestingly, um, sort of these last, I'd say, three months or so, we saw another huge kind of wave or, or tipping point um, with COVID. So as you can imagine, um, anytime there's sort of some economic downturn, like we've seen recently, nonprofits get worried about revenue. Um, they're worried people are going to give less. They often, you know, will have a spending freeze to try to conserve some more cash and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then interestingly, of course, you know, they're trying to prepare for the worst. So they start looking for ways to diversify revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, accepting crypto donations was one of those ways to start diversifying their revenue, you know, engaging with new donors, kind of tapping into a new pool, really. Right. Um, so we've kind of seen the explosion of, of new nonprofits interested in onboarding with us these last few months and, and even just for COVID we raised over a million in crypto donations. Nice. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of, you know, the more crypto that gets donated, the more nonprofits are willing to accept it.
0: Right. And so that brings me to a question. So if I'm a nonprofit and I just got a $250,000 donation in Bitcoin, you and I both know, and hopefully some of the listeners are starting to understand, let's say that that donation happened at the towards the end of March of this year. Where Bitcoin was somewhere in the rounds of about $3,900 to $4,000. And today, as we're looking at right now, it's about $9,400. Have you seen kind of behavioral patterns with those uh, nonprofits? Are they holding on to the Bitcoin or are they immediately going to an off ramp to get it into fiat? What are they doing with it?
1: Yeah. So, in, in almost every scenario, um, they're using a, a feature we developed that's actually like an automatic conversion to U.S. dollars. Um, because in a lot of cases, the only way they can get the kind of the approval for accepting crypto is if they're automatically liquidating everything. Um, because most of these nonprofits treat crypto donations the same way they treat stock donations, mm. uh, which in the case of stock, they're also liquidating immediately because nonprofits aren't really in the business of you know speculating on on property they get donated. Uh, they would rather have the cash right away and, you know, put that to use for their operations uh, uh, essentially almost immediately. Um, but, but kind of on that note of, you know, the the drop we saw in March, there's certainly a, a difference in volume that we see mm-hmm. that relates to the price. So when we break 10,000, for example, uh, we see a lot more donation volume than, you know, when we're hanging around seven, eight thousand. I think there's certainly a, a big difference in how many people have appreciated crypto at 10,000 versus at, you know, seven or 8,000.
0: Right. You might see a big pickup. You know, I think the extension was until July 15th. You might see a big pickup again in the next few weeks. Wouldn't you expect that?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Cause now things are going to be, or, or kind of taxes and donations are going to be a little more top of mind. But actually, the biggest spike comes towards the end of the year before mm-hmm. the tax year ends. Um, especially December, but also November, you see a huge spike because that's when everyone's talking to their financial advisors, their tax attorneys, CPAs, all that stuff. And in most cases, those advisors are telling them to donate their most highly appreciated assets first. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, you know, if you're an early Bitcoiner, uh, that's likely going to be Bitcoin versus your other assets.
0: Right. And so in terms of getting an idea of the demographics of who's actually donating digital assets like Bitcoin, you know, is it more of the Gen Zs or is it more of the millennials? Who's actually doing it?
1: Yeah. So from the demographic side of things, it's, it's certainly heavily dominated by uh, millennials and Gen Z, as at least as far as we can tell. Um, but I'd say the interesting thing is it's a, a pretty big component of it is also institutional donations and corporate donations. Um, so especially recently, a lot of the donations have been coming from companies operating in the crypto space or institutional investors um, who have, you know, pretty, pretty large portfolios of crypto. Um, and they've been a huge driving force because I think they're the ones who are maybe a little more aware of the, these kind of tax strategies. Um, and, and, you know, there's kind of a, a tax arbitrage opportunity, too. So a common question we get is, you know, Why should I donate my Bitcoin now if I think it's going to be worth a lot more, let's say, in six months or a year? Um, The simple answer is, you know, if you're already donating with a credit card, donate that same amount, but do it in Bitcoin and then repurchase that same amount. Um, Because if you think it's going to keep appreciating, just rebuy that same amount and just donate the same amount you would have anyway. But Hmm. in this case, you know, you have the added tax benefit.
0: That makes sense.
1: so a huge challenge for us or something we're working on is really this educational component. So we're working with a lot of, you know, CPAs and crypto tax platforms on integrations and stuff like that to make mm-hmm. it more, more top of mind for people.
0: So you alluded to some of the numbers and some of the kind of statistics, but, you know, would you say over the last year or two, you're seeing, you know, in terms of kind of a median amount of, you know, in terms of dollars, how much Bitcoin is being donated on a yearly basis?
1: Yeah, so over the last, let's say, two to three years, pretty consistently, we're seeing a couple hundred million donated each year. And mm. that's that's just what we know about publicly or going through mm. us. Um, there's, of course, a lot more happening behind the scenes that, that we don't hear about.
0: All right, And so I see that you guys are based in D.C. And I'm curious, I've heard rumors that there is going to be some sort of an attempt to get all the policy uh, policymakers, the congressmen and women, the senators out there, all a little piece of Bitcoin so they can understand this and they can kind of hopefully evolve and adapt their opinions on it. Obviously, there are some that are becoming very well educated on Bitcoin and digital assets, and some that are still lurking behind the old narratives of it being associated with bad things like drug trafficking and you know, nefarious affairs. And so I'm curious, you know, Have you this is something that I think is you know obviously exceptional because it's showing that Bitcoin can be used for something really good. Um have you had any conversations with those types of you know folks out there to show them that there is power behind Bitcoin that could be used for good?
1: Yeah, we have. Um and it's something we're looking to do more of because ultimately I think um let's say when the average person hears about Bitcoin or crypto more broadly, if they hear about it for the first time around sort of a, you know, a social good or, or charitable use case that gives them a much different impression than if they hear about, you know, I don't know, let's say maybe Silk Road or something, some ridiculous headline. Um, so we've been trying to, to push these social good use cases uh, more publicly um, because it really does make a big difference kind of from a public perception perspective and also you know, trying to talk with you know, regulators and, and politicians more directly in the, the lobbying groups here in DC um, the other, the other thing, you know, kind of how we pitch this even to donors sometimes is beyond the tax benefit. This is kind of a, a way to do your part with adoption too. Um, you know, the more we have nonprofits talking about the donations they're getting in cryptocurrency, the more comfortable it's going to make the average person with cryptocurrency and ultimately the more adoption.
0: And so I think that I was a very early adopter of this poker thing that happened over the last month and a half or two months during COVID, where we all tried to raise money uh, to help uh, with that. And I think you guys had a part of that, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. We worked with, uh, you know, Chris at Pioneer Club and the guys over at Satch Street to organize those events.
0: So tell people about that, because it was pretty special and it's really grown.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've done four tournaments now, all charity poker tournaments. Uh, the first one, you know, about two months ago. Um, general concept being, um, you know, we get a group of nonprofits together as beneficiaries for a charity poker tournament. Uh, you know, The ticket and sponsor proceeds go towards raising money for COVID relief in this case. Um, and we got a lot of awesome, you know, well-known people in crypto involved, including yourself, of course. Uh, A lot of familiar faces like, you know, let's say Brock Pierce, Charlie Shren, Charlie Lee, um, all sorts of these kind of, uh, I guess, influencer type of personalities.
0: I got destroyed. I got literally destroyed. I played two times and I got literally taken out in the first 15 minutes. So,
1: (laughs) Well, you lasted longer than I did. I think uh, the first two games, I was out in less than 10 minutes. (laughs) So I'm by no means a good poker player, and uh, I actually learned to play poker for the first time because of these tournaments. Yeah.
0: It was a really good cause.
1: Yeah. And and what we've noticed, too, is, I mean, it's honestly, it's a lot easier to ask people for donations when it's related to an event and not just, hey, please donate your money. Mm -hmm. Um, So we found a lot of success in these poker tournaments. And I think now, between the four, we've probably raised close to $400,000 in donations.
0: That's great. And, of course, there are different, uh, obviously, uh, places that, that money goes to. And it sounds like this is an interesting kind of, you know, dichotomy. You have the ability to use Bitcoin to do really good things. It's just that you need more people. You need more on the kind of the supply side to say, OK, I'll accept Bitcoin. And I'll be able to take that and be able to repatriate it to fiat and do the things I need to do. So I think what you're starting to see, and correct me if I'm wrong that more you said this already but you're seeing more and more of that supply side come online and say okay we'll accept bitcoin we'll work with you and this is a good means of getting you know help the help that we need
1: yeah that's that's exactly right so you know we're trying to make sure you know kind of the, the donor and the nonprofit side are kind of scaling simultaneously mm-hmm. um, because nonprofits aren't going to come online if people aren't willing to use cryptocurrency but it seems like you know, having this really good kind of tax incentive and then also sort of the the case to make for adoption seems to be really catching on now. Okay.
0: So before we go, where can people find out more about your work? How can they get involved? And maybe how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. Um, So if you want just some basic information, um, or if you want to make a donation to one of the nonprofits we work with, you can go to thegivingblock.com. Or check us out on Twitter at the Giving Block. Um, you know, getting in touch with us on, on Twitter is probably the best way, or shoot us an email at info@thegivingblock.com. At and I guess the, the last thing I would add is, you know, uh, before you uh, sell your crypto, maybe keep in mind the possibility of uh, donating some to charity to, to help offset some of those gains because what it comes down to is, you know, would you rather donate some of your gains to the IRS or you know, your favorite cause?
0: Well said. Well said. And as I said, you know, I've had the experience with the Giving Block as I was early participant in these poker uh, poker tournaments, and it ran smoothly. And there's a whole list of uh, nonprofits that can be the benefactor of the money that's raised $400,000 over the last month and a half or so, which is fantastic. And I think for anyone who's in digital assets, I think this is great because... Unfortunately, you know, the last 10 years there have been uh, some things that have happened that have been negative in terms of headlines and that's kind of sullied the waters for some of us. And this shows us that, you know, you can do really good things with this, that digital assets can be used in an efficient way. Um, and I think it's fantastic that you guys are doing this. So, Alex, thank you for being on. Hopefully we can have you on at the end of the year and hear about all the other money that's coming into the system and that you guys are be able to uh, funnel out to really good people. And uh, thank you for coming on Base Layer. Awesome.
1: Thanks, David. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening in to Basslayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.